Welcome to the Coog Center Podcast, and here's your host. Stay home and eat all the freaking chips, Kip. Napoleon, don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Besides, we both know I'm training to become a cage fighter. Since when, Kip? You have the worst reflexes of all time. Try and hit me, Napoleon. What? I said come down here and see what happens if you try and hit me. Such an idiot. Let me see what your best move is. I'll go get it. Gee. Michael Preston. So, A, that's always, you know, the first movie I think anybody thinks about when they think about Idaho, because I, there's actually not too many movies anybody thinks about when they think about the state of Idaho. Um, but secondly, that's... That movie was shot in the town of Preston, Idaho. No relation. Um, and I've actually been to Preston, Idaho for a wedding. Actually, very recently. It's in, it's in like the really southeast corner of the state. It's actually quicker to fly into Salt Lake City and drive up there. Um, but that's a very odd connection I have. And that's always the first thing I think of when uh, I think of the state of Idaho. And not the Battle of the Palouse. I'm Michael Preston. Welcome back to another weekly edition of the Kook Center Hour. We're going to talk about that Battle of the Palouse here a little bit. Then I want to touch on something that actually we haven't gotten to just yet, and that's my fault. I want to talk about the upcoming renovation um, of Beasley Coliseum or the replacement or whatever it's going to be, uh, whatever we're looking at. Then our Dunderhead of the Week and Ask Michael Anything. Kind of a light show this week. Um, we do have trouble getting folks um, for FCS opponents sometimes. So no interview this week. We will have one next week uh, for Wisconsin, though. Um, I, I, I've said this, you know, a few times leading up to this, um, and I'm, I'm still thinking it right now. And it's that this is kind of, sort of, that return to normal that all of us have been seeking a little bit, right? This is the first season where, in theory, you don't have the danger of a game being canceled because of COVID positives. You don't have restrictions on crowd size, requirements of masks outdoors, requirements of vaccination to get into events. Now, that was granted, that was only over here um, in Seattle generally, but um, none of that is looming over any of this. And I, I kind of wanted to address that from the outset in that there was still quite a bit taken away. And I've said before how grateful I am just for any sense of normalcy. But I, I was thinking about this earlier today while I got my daughter ready um, for daycare. And it was, as I see, a lot of people, and I'm very excited for taking, you know, little ones, like very, very little ones. My daughter just turned two, but, you know, just a few months old babies, um, over to Pullman for a football game. And as any parent knows, um, you know, those much, much younger babies are actually easier in a lot of ways to travel with than, say, a two-year-old who has an opinion and thoughts on things and a schedule. Um, I missed out on a lot of that. And it really stinks, you know, and, and that wasn't even a choice of we just chose not to go to game in 2020. They just when my daughter was very little, they didn't have crowds. 
Just period. No one was allowed to go. And it stinks now because, and, and this is a choice we've made, is that, you know, she's just turned two a month and a half ago. And because she's in daycare, she has a schedule that she keeps and she needs to adhere to it. Otherwise, she's a pretty cranky little one. Um, so it gets tough to take her places, especially when it's a five-hour drive um, away. And that to me really stinks because I this is something I want to share with her. But we have to make you know a decision about whether it's worth the very expensive hotel room and the 10 hours in the car over a two-day period, three-day period. Um to do that. We're still debating that. We'll be at the Colorado State game, whether it's just my wife and I or or the family of three. Um, so I think when we talk about, you know, that return to normal that, you know, this is, there were still some folks who missed a lot. And that really stinks. I know I'm not the only person who did. So I'm not trying to make it sound like, oh, yeah, you know, Michael's the only guy who, Michael's the only guy who did that. It, it's it's really, really tough. And I, I'm happy, but I'm also sad that it, I mean, I, I'm sad that it all had to happen. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how that, you know, whether it sounds bad or whatever, but I mean, it just, it sucks. You know, I, I, we lost out on that and I won't ever get that back with my daughter. Even if we have another kid, I, I won't get it back with my daughter. Um, so I don't know whether the right thing to do is to try to forget it or to try to remember it, but then be grateful for what I do have. Um, and I think I'm going to try to go the latter route. It's good to remember when you have things taken away from you, how precious they are. And it's good for me to remember how precious that is. We haven't been to a football game in three years. And it was such a large part of my wife and I's life for so long. Um, it it It's hard to go that long without it. I mean, it was, we were there four to five weekends a year from 2015 all the way through 2019. I was there at least five. My wife would do three or four. So to at least have that back in some way, um... It feels good, but I still can't, I mean, I don't want to say mourn the loss of, but there's still that loss that you had for those experiences I could have had with my then three-month-old, who is going to be a little bit more agreeable to a lot of time in the car than my two-year-old is, who is going to have opinions about how long she's been in her car seat for, and I can't blame her for that. Okay. Enough of that. Let's talk about Washington State, Idaho. Um, this is the first time this game's been played in six years. It used to be an annual game. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But the last time these two teams played it was actually on a rain-soaked field, and it was after Wazoo dropped that game to Boise State and to Eastern, and they desperately needed uh, to win a football game, and they did. They took care of Idaho pretty, pretty easily um, after an 11 a.m. kick. Boy, what an early kickoff that game was. Um, this is an Idaho team, again, in transition. They don't have Paul Petrino anymore. He was let go. Um, Jason Eck is the new head coach, um, over in Moscow. And he's just kind of the latest guy trying to really make it work for a team that 
finds themselves in a lot of flux. They dropped, in fact, last time they played uh, in Pullman, they were in the FBS still. They were an independent, but they were in the FBS. So this is a team that now is down at the FCS. They're still kind of middling in the big sky. And kind of, I think kind of, and you know, I don't follow Idaho football that closely, but it seems to me like a team trying to find their identity a bit, trying to find out how they can live in the FCS again, because that they're back in the big sky. So how can they do that? And in the meantime, it means a lot of transfers, a lot of guys who haven't played for Idaho before. And it's a similar situation that Washington State's in. A lot of transfers, a lot of guys who haven't played before, but the good news here for Washington State is obviously that these are generally going to be Pac-12 athletes, and for Idaho, they're generally going to be Big Sky athletes. Now, I think Washington State fans know better than most any fans, you don't ever overlook a team in the Big Sky just because they're in the Big Sky. That's just not something that's very smart to do. Um, But there's a reason why you own something like an 85% winning percentage over Idaho, and it's not because you haven't historically dominated this rivalry. And I like to think of it as like like a friendly-ish rivalry. Like I I don't know. Like it, it's it's unique in a way that you know Wazoo pretty much has you know they they have run roughshod over Idaho in virtually every sport they they share. But I don't really know how much animosity there is in one direction or the other. I don't. I certainly don't dislike Idaho. I used to go to Idaho basketball games when we were bored in Pullman. Um, but maybe I just don't know that from the perspective of an Idaho fan either. So um, it's certainly one of the more unique rivalries, I think, in college sports. We did see earlier this year the discontinued, the the r- basketball rivalry being discontinued. Um, that largely due to some Pac-12 rules that actually do make sense. It just stinks that it's another thing that has to go by the wayside, um, especially since I think it was the longest running uh, game west of the Mississippi. Um, nobody has played in consecutive years more than Idaho and Washington State. Um, but this is the first time the football teams have met in six years. And, I, you know, it used to be an annual affair when the teams were at the FBS level. But I think this is about the right cadence. They're going to play each other two more times in the 2020s. And I think three times, three to four times a decade is probably about appropriate for the number of times you should play Idaho. And I love it. You know, I love, we always used to have this debate actually, like how much should you actually play Idaho, right? Like how many times should this game be played? I think Rob, if Rob Akey had his way, it would be played every single year. And I've, I've advocated for in the past, if you're going to do it, do it the weekend you're doing it now, do it over Labor Day. They're not doing like the big festival, like I would advocate for, but do it around that. So this is probably about the right cadence to be playing this game about three to four times per decade. You know, no FCS team is going to sell tickets generally for season ticket holders or single game ticket buyers, but you don't just want to see Idaho each and every year. Um, And for, for Idaho's part, they could certainly go and get more money for a buy game from other FBS teams than they can from Washington State. Because Washington State is just not going to pitch out as much money for a team that doesn't, they, they literally don't have to travel. They don't have to travel. Most teams will stay in a hotel the night before a game anyway, but they don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to get on a plane. They take buses. Like the players could drive over if they wanted to. So um, for Idaho's part, I, I also get it from that perspective. So again, this is a game that you should see Washington State cruise in. You want to see them cruise in because you want to see um, what Xavier Ward looks like back there. You want to see what 
some of the backups look like. You don't want to see, you know, starters in the game the whole time here. You want to see some guys who you are curious as to their skill level, right? You want to see some of Xavier Ward. You want to see some of Jalen Jenkins. You want to see some of um, of Nusi Milani, the transfer from Virginia. You want to see all four of the oars at tight end. You want to see Zion Nunnally get a lot of run. You want to see that in this game because that's kind of what this game is Four, right? You want to see Francisco Maui Goa and Travion Brown and what that rotation is going to look like. Kyle Thornton, who looked good at times last year as well at that position. You want to see him get some rotation. I want to see how good this team is at the two deep. And that's kind of the purpose of this game. You don't have a preseason in football like you do, or in college football like you do in the NFL. And even really with uh, college basketball, where you can play exhibitions start the year most teams don't anymore um but you can play an exhibition game or two so starting off the season with idaho on labor day makes sense in a lot of ways you continue a traditional regional rival and you also use that first game to kind of figure yourself out and this is a year where you really do need to figure yourself out this is a new offense again now granted it's back to a variation on the air raid which we have praised on this show as being you know it doesn't necessarily need to be the air raid but it can be like the run and shoot too where wazoo needs to have a pass first identity that needs to be the identity of this football team and you're going to see what Cam Ward looks like, how in sync he is with his receivers. You're going to see a lot, and it's very important that this is the first game for this offensive line. Because up front, there are a lot of question marks, and Clay McGuire has his hands completely full with getting that unit in shape for the, I mean, let's just say it, for, for 12 games. He has got a lot on his plate to get things sorted out. So it's going to be interesting to see where everything goes, I expect Washington State to win and win easily, um, even with all the new faces, and because you expect to beat an FCS team like that—that that is the expectation, right? You 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 want to see them easily move the football, play good defense, and get a couple of turnovers, all that good jazz, right? Like I'm just kind of spouting off, like you know, completely bland talking points about a game against an FCS team, but I want to get to the end of this and not be dissatisfied with anything. I want to get to the end of this and be like, yeah, that went fine. It went well. And they won like 56 to 21. That's what, the, that's what this game should be. That's what it should be. Okay. And so I don't want to get to the end of it and say, oh, you had to bite your nails all the way into the fourth quarter. Or three years ago, I can remember watching that game against Northern Colorado and going, wow, there are some problems on defense. Now, granted, they won that game with relative ease, but again, I remember watching that game and going, boy, there are some problems on defense. And sure enough, Tracy Clay's got fired like three weeks later. Okay. Use this game to iron out the kinks. Use this game to figure out a rotation or to figure out everything up front. Use this game to judge your depth chart and make sure you've made the right decisions. And use this game to, again, bond together a beautiful region of country in the Palouse. And to... I, you know, I, this game is fun. This game is this game is special to me. Um, because 
I I like seeing the Cougs and the Vandals on the field at the same time. And I root for Idaho. And again, it's it's a weird rivalry, man. Like I don't hate Idaho. I hope Idaho doesn't hate us. So it it's it'll be interesting to see um how things look offensively, how things look defensively. This will be our first game speed look at the Coug grade. It'll be my first game speed look at a tight end. Guys, I'm so excited to find out what a tight end does. I have no idea. What do they do? What does it mean? What is tight end? Does that mean they play close to the line? Does it mean... I don't know. I'm really excited. I can't wait. (laughs) Jake Dickard's first game uh, as a full-time head coach. Um, So his first game at the helm, knowing he's got the job for a while. Um, And... You know, like we talked about last week, hopefully the first game in what is a much more calm 2022. That team had more attention on it than any 500 team deserves ever in a season last year. They did not deserve all that attention. So hopefully, you know, on that side of things, a little bit calmer as we navigate through 2022. Let's talk about Beasley Coliseum next. And I, I kind of think I'm, I have some thoughts, you know, just generally on what I think would maybe be a better outcome, but there's a reason why the school is going and getting a consultant on this. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that and then uh, Dunderhead of the Week and ask Michael anything. You're listening to this on the drive to Pullman, right? That's what you're doing? Where are you? Othello? Othello? Did you already pass Judy's Great Food? Probably if you're in Othello. <laughs> Not probably if you're in Othello. If you were in Royal City, you already did. But wherever you're listening to it, uh, I hope the drive's going well and uh, have some more beef jerky. That's my that's my treat of choice on the way over. It's the it, it causes an upset tummy sometimes. I got a little sensitive tummy to that nowadays because I'm old. Uh, but I hope your drive's enjoyable. All right, more talk, more talk. Beasley Coliseum talk on the other side of the break. Back here on the Coog Center hour, uh, we put up a story uh, on the website a little bit. <clears throat> excuse me, in August, a few weeks ago. Um, that the school had put out a request for qualifications from June um, for the study to look into whether to replace or renovate uh, Beasley Coliseum. This is frankly um, a long time coming. Uh, Beasley is, as you know, a multi-use facility. It was built all the way back in the 70s, and it certainly feels like it. The concourses are narrow, the bathrooms are small, and they are really bad. The seats aren't comfortable. There are, like, no amenities inside of this arena. So, it's kind of long overdue that they're doing this. And what the school said in part of that request that went out is that Beasley, quote, no longer meets the current needs of the WSU men's and women's basketball programs, and they want to either renovate an existing facility or construct a new facility. Um, again, kind of like I said, this is if if you have been to Beasley Coliseum like literally in the last twenty years, you know how out of date that building is. It has served its purpose for a very long time. I believe as of this year, it is now fifty years old. So. You know, I, 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 and I think I've said on this show before, like when we're talking about new arenas and all that other good jazz, I'm generally very skeptical about the need for new arenas, especially when you live in a place where you had a basketball team try to 
uh, extract more money from the state when they remodeled their arena in 1994 and they said something like 13 years later, well, that's not good enough anymore. Or you have the Seattle Mariners saying they need tax money from the county to pay for things, otherwise they'll just pack up and leave. Well, we need to upgrade the stadium. It's 23 years old. Well, blah, 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 blah. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm generally a little skeptical about these kinds of things, but this is not one I'm skeptical about. It also helps that this is likely going to be funded by the school. There's not going to be taxpayer money involved in this, and that's another thing I generally don't like is because, you know, a lot of professional sports franchises, they have plenty of money to pay for these things. They just would rather somebody else pay for it. Um, so this, this from the outset, this is, this is needed because... I think part of what this will also be is like new practice facilities for the basketball teams, new offices for the coaches, for the men's and women's teams. Um, this this is needed. And especially if you have two programs, A, um, Cammie Etheridge has taken her team to the NCAA tournament twice in the last two years. Um, that is the first time that has ever happened in school history. They still haven't won a game, but I look, I mean, that's a heck of an accomplishment. And you have Kyle Smith with this team on an upward trajectory all the way to the NIT semifinals last year, um, and they certainly look as good or better um, again, and they keep reloading. So this is this is needed, right? And and it has been needed. And I think with the money for the IFP there, this is kind of that last really big project for a long time. I think the suites on the north side of Martin Stadium are kind of a a pipe dream here. Um, but this is kind of that last super big project, um, athletics-wise, at Washington State. And make no mistake, it's the biggest one, right? I, you know, the Martin Stadium renovations were big, but this is this is going to cost as much in all likelihood um, as the suite addition and the ops building um, for the football team. This is not going to be cheap. This is going to be. You know, your, I think Idaho's arena was what, like 60-something million? It was in that range. Um, and it only seats 4,000 people, and it's a pretty small facility. Okay, So you're not looking at a small amount of money here. I don't have the answer as to whether renovating or rebuilding is the right answer. Uh, the, the school clearly does not either because they're reaching out for a consultant to help them figure out what needs to be done here. And I, again, this is the right thing to do to spend the money on that to kind of guide your thinking on it. Um, so I, I, at the very least, right, I think at the very least, no matter what happens, you're going to see a facility with reduced capacity. Beasley Coliseum doesn't need 11,500 seats. There's absolutely zero reason that facility needs this many seats. Okay, you, you, you just, you plainly do not need it. Okay, so A, that's going to go away. B, any new building is going to have, or, or even a renovated Beasley, is going to have more premium seating. It's going to have suites. It's going to have club seats. It's going to have, you know, uh, the beer garden works great at Beasley now, but that's only because there aren't enough students in the stands where, you know, you snake your way through um, one section up top, and it, it, they figured out a really good way to do it. Um, but you need something a little bit better than that moving forward. Um, the video screen's probably fine, maybe an upgrade of that as well. Um, and then just aesthetically speaking, I mean, A, you're going to replace every seat in the building at the very least. Um, and then you, you need to upgrade the outside. I mean, it does look like, it, it looks like something built in the 70s when apparently that, like, 
we all looked at the Soviet style and we're like, hey, that's great. Or that was more of the 80s. Whatever it was. That kind of that, like, that drab, like, bleh, look. Like, it's just... Guys, can we be honest? It's just not a pretty building. It's just really not a pretty building. Okay? Like, it's, it's okay to say that about Beasley Coliseum. I love it because it's mine. But I loved the kingdom because it was mine. And the kingdom was not an aesthetically pleasing building. Okay? We can all be honest about that. Um, when it comes to that choice about renovating or rebuilding it... When I wrote the article a few weeks ago, and I still think this is the case, I think the school probably makes the choice that if the cost is relatively close, like we're talking 5 to 10, maybe even 15% more to just rebuild it, so brand new facility, then that's probably what they end up going with. Um, you know, I, I think if you're not going to be restricted by the footprint of Beasley. And, I, and I'm and i not familiar enough with the tunnels underneath to know um, how expansive or good they are. But if, if you don't want to be restricted by that footprint, then it probably makes a lot of sense to, you know what, if it's only, say, 10% more, let's just rip the Band-Aid off and do that and get more out of it and get a longer-lasting facility, perhaps, than if we just renovated it. Now, if... It's not the case, and you can save probably, you know, let's say it's half the cost to renovate and get exactly what you want out of it, then great, go ahead and go do that. But at the very least, again, reduce capacity, more club and suite seating, and then more amenities. Because right now, those concourses are so tiny, and those concession stands, the folks who work there are great, but the food is not good. Um, they look terrible. Um, they are cramped, too. Um, so there, there, there needs to be a lot of very big upgrades um, to that building moving forward. And frankly, for two programs that deserve it. And you still do have other events at this building. You have concerts for parents weekend. You have graduations. You have all that good jazz. Um, so again, part of the disadvantages of a new building uh, or of a renovation um, is going to be that in a weird quirk, um, in all likelihood... Uh, because that's going to take a while, you're probably going to need to play a basketball season in Bowler Gym. You might need to do that, which is kind of cool, right? Like that's, I mean, that's a little cool, especially if it's just like, hey, we need to do one year in here because we're tearing the crap out of Beasley Coliseum. Graduation is going to be a little difficult weather-wise, uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe grin and bear it and, or just do a bunch of small ceremonies over a two-day period and do it, do it that way. Um, Rebuilding it comes with, you know, no interruption use of the facility. Um, the one thing it does do, and I, I thought about this, is so again, when you're looking for a place to build a new building, the only places that really make sense on campus are either of the parking lots adjacent to Beasley. So the one south and the one east. So the one east between it and the wreck um, is a better choice from the standpoint of that you're not going to upset as many RV folks for football games and displace all of those people for at least a season and it also comes with upsetting those people because if you do build Beasley there you would inevitably knock the old building down and then raise that for parking maybe um they're not going to be as happy over there so and those are some of your bigger donors so I mean it's a consideration right like you, you need to think about that um, and the other parking lot is roughly the footprint-ish. And since this might be a smaller building, um, again, I'm theorizing here, you can probably make it work. Um, 
but it's going to be interesting to see what they do if they do go the rebuild route. Um, you know, from a not interrupting services standpoint, that's certainly better. Uh, but from from a angering people with uh, recreational vehicle standpoint, it might be a little bit worse. Um, we did. I did email a spokesman for WSU. Said the report probably won't be ready until at least May. So if you work in project management, account management, you know that actually means probably closer to June or July. Um, so I wouldn't expect anything until over the summer. And then again, after that, you're talking years to get a shovel in the dirt on anything um, because of the university's bonding capacity and you know supply chain issues right now. So a new building is probably at least, I would say, five years away. But I do want to commend the school because this this is something they've been needing to look into for a very long time and that they finally have the wheels turning on it. Because it's not just a facility for the basketball teams. Like I said, it's concerts. It's uh, they do uh, guest speakers there. They've done. They do. Um, you know, like some of the heritage group on, groups on campus do their big presentations there every year. So it's a it's a facility that's used for a lot of stuff: graduations, convocation, whatever else. Um, you you need to fix it, and you need a better facility um, pretty desperately because that is just not reflective of you know, of modern times. It really is a building stuck in the seventies. Like I said, I love it, but I also love the kingdom. So it'd be interesting to see where things go. Things are going to be pretty quiet on that front until the summer, at least, but I'll be interested to see what they recommend. And then after that, the drawings for sure. All right, let's play the fight song, then come back, do Dunderhead of the week and ask Michael anything. Thunderhead of the week. I'm actually going to hand this to myself. I rarely do that. I really do rarely do that. Um, but yours truly was dumb enough to stay up and watch Nevada and New Mexico State last week. And if you watched that football game, literally the only reason I watched that football game was because we had fictitious dollars um, on Nevada to win by more than seven and a half points. Um... That was the most god-awful football game I've watched in a long time. I really, truly, what a terrible football game. Um, so very many turnovers and so very much of nobody wanting to win that it just, like, I, I, I don't even know. I, I watched the Crapple Cup in person and that was probably a better football game than this one because at least those teams wanted to win that. At least those teams were desperate to do whatever they could to win the football game. Nevada's probably not going to be very good this year. New Mexico State is always not very good. And it was just a slog fest of incompetence, um, the likes of which I have not seen in a long time. Now, I am a big proponent of you stay up late and watch football games during football season because we only get so many precious Saturdays to you know, stay up until 11 p.m., 
or hopefully Hawaii's on late, and boy, do they look terrible. Timmy Chang's got a big job ahead of him. Um, but 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 sometimes put on a repeat of Frasier on Hulu and just call it good and drink your bourbon. That would be a better use uh, of your time. It certainly would have been a better use of mine. Uh, so I am the Dunderhead of the week, even though Nevada's my Mountain West team. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, good lord. It just, what an awful football game. And I was a dumb enough idiot uh, to watch it when I could have been uh, not watching it, doing literally anything else. Ask Michael anything time. I mean, fair in Nevada, they lost, like, everybody coaching players, like, including a few to Wazoo. <laughs> they lost, like, everybody, to be fair to them. Ask Michael anything. We always put this out on Twitter before the shows. At Dan S. Jensen. Dan Jensen, what is your definitive ranking of Pullman lodging options? Ooh. Uh, well, I mean, the Marriott and the Residence Inn are very nice. I stayed in the Residence Inn for the first time in March. It was very nice. Um, Holiday Inn's always good. I like the quality in just from the standpoint of location-wise, it's not bad. Um, I don't think I'm forgetting like any of the top four. Those are probably in the top four. All the downtown motels are kind of hit and miss, right? Like, not the travel... What's the one south on Grand, south of downtown on Grand? That's a big no-no. Uh, that's a big no-no. Um, the Cougar Inn or whatever. It's across from the Chevron. It used to be okay. The owner was a real D-bag, uh, or used to be. Um, and then there's sleeping you know, on a parking lot, uh, sleeping in Paradise Creek, uh, and then Mendel's. <laughs> At the Machine 51, Jake S., you've probably already answered this in the past, but what's your favorite stopping spot along your route to Pullman? Ooh! Uh, I like a lot of folks stop, you know, in Ellensburg um, at the big exit, maybe for food. Generally, though, when I'm on the way there, I don't want to stop. I just want to get there because I'm like so antsy to get the drive over with. Um, but if I had to pick, I mean, Judy's great food. You can't you can't miss there. Superb dining option um, along the way if you have some time. Uh, yeah, I would say that's yeah. I think that's probably my favorite place to stop. Um, and then, I can't, I can't remember the name. It's like a little coffee shop in Washtuck. Now, they do like coffee and soda and whatever else. It's a good little local business. Although I never know when they're open. Um, there's that too. At WSU Brady 27 Brady, what team can we convince to go to Ireland for a season kickoff to try and drink Dublin bars dry? And can Dublin bars go dry? Um, A, no, they cannot. Uh, B, us in LSU, there would be a lot of fun. But yeah, I think it's got to be somebody like at the bottom of the... Big 12, probably? Like, would Kansas State go with us? They probably would. I don't know how fun they would be, but they would go with. Uh, at Beatty, Matt, Matt Beatty, best food item at Martin Stadium. You know what's so funny is, like, I never eat at Martin Stadium. <laughs> um, where our seats are on the alumni side, they have a, I think they usually have, like, a sausage stand a couple sections over. That's pretty good. Um, but I, I generally don't eat. I'm really bad. I have to set, like, I literally set an alarm on my phone to make sure we eat. Like, I, I literally will forget to have dinner, and boy, is that a problem. So, like, I literally set an alarm. No matter how long the wait is, if a holla wherever we are, like, get food. Get food. At Jamie Vinnick 9 Jamie Vinnick, our friend Jamie. What's your beer of choice to spill on my jeans? Man, you do that twice in two days, and you never hear the end of it. It's Coors Light, though. Uh, Brady, again, how many bars will go try for the Wisconsin game? Again, none. Madison is... Boy, are they well-stocked. Uh, at Kellen H2O Melon, Kellen, stand, mute, cancel, 
assume this is like the other game where, you know, words I won't use there. Uh, Italian, Mexican, or barbecue food. Oh, God. Stand for Mexican, mute barbecue, and cancel Italian. Like, I... Mexican food is so good, and it's so versatile. I, I know Italian food is too, but I... Oh, God. No, I just love the flavors of Mexican food so much. Oh. I hate that I have to answer that. That's so rough. At NickBeady72, NickBeady, how about bringing back Ask Sammy Anything? She asked me that the other day. She did ask me that the other day. We will do it at some point this year. At Rick D. Flores, Rick Flores, M. Ed... What will be your pregame beverage of choice and why? Ooh, for this week, I'm uh, we usually go to a beer junction here in West Seattle and pick up some pregame beers. So I'm probably going to be looking for an IPA because it's kind of like winding down that time of the year where I like them and I'm getting into dark beer season. Uh, gin and tonics during the game in all likelihood, though. Uh, so yeah, I usually start with beer and then gin and tonics later in the evening when the baby's asleep. And it doesn't matter if I have had one too much. Not like that much, much more. Uh, at Connor John Fort. Connor John Fort, popular thing in Pullman that you think is overrated? The old Euro. At Cool Coog, Jeff Cool. How many wins are we looking at this year? I think I said seven or eight. I'd be pretty confident in, but it just, again, it wouldn't surprise me between three and nine. That just, it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, at N Pronte, Nick Pronte. Who's got the coolest name on the football team? Moon Ashby. Javonzi Schlembacher is close, but Moon Ashby. I love that name. Great name. Uh, at Nick Schulte 10, Nick. Best Idaho party story, if any. I actually do have one. The Governor's Cup in 2007 or 8. It was the second to last one Boise State played there. Those folks can party, man. I remember the first quarter. <laughs> that's it. And it's good because that's the only time Idaho scored. That's a good one. Uh, at 523 Coog, Ian, what's your favorite cheesy pickup line bonus points if you ever actually used it? God, I don't have one. I, I literally don't. I, I can tell you the worst one I ever used, and it was actually on my wife to ask her out on a date. I like literally yelled at her, hey, do you want to go see Rambo? <laughs> that was my idea of a good date. Going to see the Rambo remake. Oh my god. Just the worst. How 10 years. 10 years we've been married as of today. No, tomorrow. 10 years. That's why we're not going to the game this weekend. 10 years we've been married. Goodness me. Wazoo48, Idaho 17. We'll talk to you next week on the Coop Center Hour.